Hello, and welcome to Heart Points, a one-to-one RPG actual play podcast. I am your husband, Zach. And I am your wife, Diana. And this is our PAX Unplugged panel in a campaign built for two, duet RPGs with your significant other. He said confidently. Was that the name of our panel? I think it was close (laughs) enough. I'm pretty sure that was it. This week, we are bringing you the audio for the panel that we did at PAX Unplugged, which was, confidently, in a campaign built for two, duet RPGs with your significant other. Um, This panel was a ton of fun. Oh, yeah. It was so much fun. It's always nerve-wracking sitting up on the stage and expecting people to listen to you talk. Mm -hmm. Um, And especially since this panel was housed in a much, much bigger room than our last one. Yeah, oh my god, it was... (laughs) It was, I walked in, I said nope, and I walked out, and I didn't go back in there until I had to. It was very intimidating, uh, but it was very cool. Uh, We were joined by some amazing guests who I will list off in a moment, Um, but it was, uh, we had a great conversation it was just a really cool time. Uh, we had some great questions, and I would love to talk about this more. Um, unfortunately, we might. I don't know. PAX Unplugged 2020 is kind of up in the air with the go- baby goblin on the way. That's true. That is true. We're going to have a six-month-old goblin. I don't know how. <laughs> well, that's going to uh, translate to PAX Unplugged. What do you think of that audio? Uh <laughs> Also, um, what do you think about me referring to our uh, unborn child as a goblin? I feel like that's actually pretty accurate to what this thing is going to be. But what I think is what you should be asking me is what my thoughts are on you even considering going to PAX <laughs> when, well, I will, when I will have essentially just ripped my body apart to bring new life into the world. So six months, six months, six six months. months. America is effed up. We should all have at least a year to recuperate because it took a year for our bodies to grow a human. Um, I'm just saying. (laughs) I'm just saying. So that might have been our last packs for a a bit. Um, And it was awesome. Uh, next episode, we are going to be coming at you with our PAX Unplugged retrospective. I know it's a little bit later than we usually try to do our uh, convention retrospectives, but... I am making a human. <laughs> it's a bit hard to schedule things. I'm making a human, y'all. God, is it hard to do things. It's hard to do things because I'm making a human. 2019 has been a, a year. I did not expect 2019 to be such a year. Uh, yep, and now 2020 is going to be a blur. God... So um, we're really excited. Uh, A lot of cool stuff is coming up in the pipeline that we are super excited for. Not only do do we have our PAX retrospective, but we also have the Blood Gold campaign, as well as some other guest appearances. Well, don't say... (laughs) I'm fucking... I don't know. I'm I'm just saying things. So... Uh, This is our PAX panel in a campaign built for two. Uh, Hopefully next episode, 2-3, is going to be our PAX retrospective. Our episode after that, we're hoping to do something special. I haven't quite ironed out the details yet, but uh, I think it's going to be very cool. I am hopeful. I am praying. I have no more excuses. I have no more time left. I have no more 
uh, ability to postpone this. 3-2 will be Blood Gold Session 0. If it's not... Heart point. I might just destroy heart points. I might just <laughs> close the shutters on the whole damn thing. <laughs> three two blood gold session zero. Three sixteen blood gold episode one. That is the schedule as I have it written down. I'm not going anywhere for the next month and a half. I'm not doing anything. I'm gonna sit in this studio and I'm gonna make us record. And that's that's just the way it is. Okay. <laughs> Um, Listen, I know what I signed up for. I am creating a human, but I'm also creating life y'all, with my voice. Y'all, it's hard to record while one of you is creating a human. It's hard to do it. All I want to do is eat. That is not... <laughs> I don't want to be recording right now. All I want to do is eat. So that's what's going on with the schedule, just as a heads up. Sorry, we're going to... We are transitioning into... We're going to do some housekeeping now before we go into the panel, because I think we're just going to leave you to the panel. I don't think we're going to come back after the panel. I agree. So uh, that's our schedule coming up. Uh, I want to give a very special, special thank you to everyone who joined us or helped out uh, on the panel. This is really, it's a really cool panel. I'm super excited for you all to be able to hear it. First, I want to thank Pod of Love, who joined us. If you are unfamiliar with Pod of Love, they are a uh, romance-themed duet actual play podcast who you should absolutely check out. They do a lot of um, very heartwarming and sometimes spooky, kind of surprisingly, but sometimes surprisingly spooky romance duet RPGs, usually using the uh, Fog of Love board game and sometimes Starcrossed, and I believe they do some other stuff too. Uh, that is hosted by Ben and Mel, and you can find their podcast at Pod of Love on Twitter. They are also part of the All Ports Open Network, which I would be remiss if I didn't plug them as well. Uh, we were also joined by one half of the one-on-one D&D podcast, Mackenzie DeArmas was able to join us. The other half, Dennis Aldea, wasn't able to join us because um, Mackenzie said, uh, Mackenzie says in the panel, I think Dennis is a squishy wizard who failed a con save against a chem final. If you listen to the rest of this, you will hear what she actually says. But basically, he had to take a test. I'm sure he did very well. I, I, I hope so. I remember being a student. It was the worst um, accurate but one-on-one D is a duet dungeons and dragons campaign uh it's delightful it's really fun um mackenzie had some great insight into how to do a long-form fantasy adventure duet style she was a delight to talk to and everyone on the panel was just super knowledgeable super cool super smart uh, you can find that podcast at one on one d and d on Twitter, and you can find Mackenzie at m a k e n z i e l a n e d a. That's Mackenzie Lane D A. Uh, also, want to give a very special shout out to Kevin M Gallagher, who was able to uh, isolate the audio for us. He did a lot of work getting this audio to us. Kevin is the host of the Everything is Awesome podcast, as well as, um, I believe, producer, 
editor and writer for the That Entertains podcast network. So you can find Kevin at That Nerdy Kev on Twitter, and everything is awesome at Real Awesome Pod on Twitter. So thank you to all of those people, and especially thank everyone who came out, who saw the panel, who talked to us over the course of PAX. Um, It was a great time and uh, just absolutely wonderful. Do you have anything you want to add, Diana? No, I loved it. It was fun. I definitely only blacked out about halfway through the panel, so if you stop hearing my voice, it's because the nerves overtook me. (laughs) But I survived, and it's fine. Um, But, again, I just want to reiterate, thank you all so much for coming out and for supporting us and for talking to us and for making Zach's day by talking to him and allowing him to be his nerdy, nerdy self. Yeah. I want to thank Zach B., our editor, without whom the show would not get made. I want to thank In Love with a Ghost for the use of the song Chilling at Nemo's Place uh, off of the album Healing as our intro and outro. I want to thank all of our patrons on Patreon who make our show possible and allow us to keep doing this work even when we are stressed out about baby. I especially want to thank two new patrons, Eshin Mitra and Priest Pulse, for joining us and uh, contributing to the show. Thank you all so much. It means the world to us. Is there anything else? Am I forgetting anything before we get into the panel? Just have a have a really nice day, everyone. But like, wait, hold on. I, well, I did. It's it's, I, it's not the end of the podcast, so it feels a bit weird to be like, okay, bye. Mm-hmm. But then there's like more for you to listen to. But like, yeah. just like enjoy the listening. Have a nice day. Shovel some snow because it snowed. Drink some water. Drink some water. Take care of yourself. Self-care. So important. Listen to this podcast while you're in a bubble bath. If you have that ability. All right. We'll see y'all next time. Bye. Bye. How's everybody's packs going? Wait, wait, wait. I I saw this last night. Philadelphia. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so that's what you're supposed to do. (laughs) Pandering, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Welcome to In a Campaign Built for Two, Duet RPGs with your SO. Um, if you are here, you are probably interested in Duet RPGs, which are RPGs that you play with two people, uh, either made that way or uh, hacked to run that way with um, different levels of success. <laughs> uh, I am going to introduce, or rather, we're going to introduce ourselves, tell you why we wanted to talk about this. And then uh, we're going to talk about Duet RPGs for a little while and then give, uh, mm-hmm. open up the floor to questions. Um, to uh, start off, my name is Zachary Woodard. I use he, him pronouns. I am the usual GM of the podcast Heart Points Pod that I play with my lovely wife. Uh, my name is Diana, and I use she, her pronouns. And I am the usual chaos maker slash player of Heart Points Pod, where I derail all of his lovely plans. Um, is that it? Did I miss something? I probably did, but I think I'm done. Hi. <laughs> I'm Ben, and he, him, they, them pronouns. And uh, did you guys see that this is a 13-plus panel? Yes. Yeah, okay, so I don't know why. I think they know what kind of priest I am. And that's, <laughs> that's... Wait, hang on, we need to give you a moment. Go ahead. 
No, there, no, 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 I'm not going to, because I realized if I say that, there might be 13-year-olds. I don't want them to hear me say the F word. No. Everyone has heard fire truck before. <laughs> anyway, I am one of the co-hosts of Pot of Love, which is a romance and relationship actual play podcast. It's basically like the rom-com of actual plays. Our stories tell uh, the tales of people who live in a fictional town called Charity, Maine. Um, this season. And I'm a uh, co-founder of the All Ports Open Network, which is a podcast network that mostly features podcasts about games and gaming. And I also happen to be an Episcopal priest uh, right here in the Philly area. And my church, uh, Incarnation Holy Sacrament in Drexel Hill, runs a weekly, completely open and inclusive uh, gaming club called Saturday Night Strategists. <laughs> we, got, we, have, we have strategists here uh, in uh, Upper Darby. And uh, yeah. Hi everybody, my name is Mel. Um, disappointed because I thought SO was for squishy otter, not significant other. I thought we were getting an otter out of this deal. Just kidding. Although now I am, I've actually disappointed myself. <laughs> I also just realized that we can see ourselves down there, which yeah. is also terrifying. Yeah, yeah that's going to be distracting. But what's not terrifying is that you're, well, it is kind of terrifying that you're all here, but I'm thankful that you all are. Thank you. So thank you. And uh, if you don't already know, I'm the other part of the Squishy Otter podcast, Pod of Love. <laughs> if you listen to our podcast, we told you if you find us, you get a special prize. So come find us after the panel because we brought the prizes. Hi, I'm Mackenzie, Mackenzie Lane on Twitter. I am an independent tabletop role-playing game content creator. So you may know me as one of the writers for Matt Colville's tentatively named um, Player's Guide to Capital, as well as a frequent uh, guest on Scraticus Academy Twitch channel. However, most importantly for this panel, I am the co-producer, co-creator, and current DM for the podcast One-on-One, a D&D duet campaign, which I do with my lovely partner, uh, Dennis Aldea. Dennis was supposed to be here today, um, <laughs> But, and these are his, his words, I have permission to say this. He is a wizard with garbage hit dice, and he was knocked out by a CR25 chem final in a surprise round. So he will not be joining us today. Um, but I have a picture of him, and I'm going to just, I'm just going to prop that right here. And, and there we go. With us in spirit. Welcome, Dennis. Awesome. So, yes, all... Uh, five plus Dennis are uh, we are podcasters, content creators who uh, make uh, pr- produce shows about duet games played by couples. Um, it is something that is definitely growing. Um, RPGs have long been considered a large group activity, something that you need a party of people, um, five to eight players. Uh, and a lot of people feel a lot of stress and pressure trying to get that kind of group together. But there is a burgeoning... Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Am hey, I still... There we are. Thank you. <laughs> There's a burgeoning group of designers and people who are interested in hacking to make games uh, run well for duets. Because a lot of people want that option. Uh, especially if you were like me, a Philadelphian who is an introvert and doesn't want to go out and meet people. I just want to stay home and play with the people that I know and like. <laughs> My wife. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> aiming for those brownie points. Well, I guess we need to leave, guys. Come on. <laughs> so, uh, one question that I had for, for everyone here on the panel is, what got you started? What got you interested in duet RPGs specifically? What was it about the duet format that, um, that intrigued you, uh, interested you, engaged you? 
Let's start with Mackenzie. Okay. <laughs> Hello. Um, so, Dennis and I are actually in a long-distance relationship. I am uh, Southern California-based, and he is based in New Jersey, and we've been uh, long-distance for about four and a half years now. Um, part of the reason why we started this podcast was because we loved games, and I... He had a gaming group at his uh, university, like a D&D group, and he just told me all his stories about the, his campaigns, and I was like, I want to join. Let me in. Let me in, please. Um, and I tried joining the gaming group at my college, and they were like, nah, we're full. Sorry. So I had no one to play with, and I was lonely, and so I was just like, you want to play? You want, yeah, let's, let's, let's do something. I've seen people can do like one-on-one -on -one things. We can DM something, well, or you can DM for me, and... I'll, we'll work something out. And then I decided, you know what? In order to make sure we actually follow through with this, let's make it a podcast. Let's put it out on the internet. So we have to be accountable for it. We actually stick through our plans for once. Um, <laughs> and then, of course, we took a break. So <laughs> we took a big hiatus, and now we're back. So, I mean, it sort of worked. But a lot of it was just to be able to say, I created something with my significant other. And so not only did we create a podcast, we created a whole D&D fantasy world that means a lot to us and that really helped uh, bring us together as a couple. Thank you. <laughs> Yay, love. <laughs> what was the question? <laughs> the question is, uh, yeah, why you were interested in duet RPGs? Like, why why was that something that why was that mode of role playing game appealing to you? Oh man, I, okay. The short version is, I was married for a long time before I was married to Ben, and then I wasn't married, and I didn't know how to be in the world with normal human people for a while. Uh, and so, but I've always liked playing games, and um, when I met Ben, that was a common interest that we had, and I was like, hey, like. I want to play a thing. So actually what he did was he started a D&D group, which you know how they go. They fell, it fell apart, and then we started a new one, and it fell apart. But at some point we were like, we really both like podcasts a lot. I mean, like games. And then we were here at PAX. Was it the first year we were at PAX? And we found uh, Fog of Love, which I said fog instead of pod. No, you once. did it right. Yeah, for you once. did it. Yeah, good <laughs> Do you guys know what Fog of Love is? I'm getting there. <laughs> Do you guys know that it's basically a role-playing game? It's sort of a role-playing game, board game hybrid before anyone comes at me about that, but uh, it, did you know it started as a role-playing game? Oh, I did not know and that. Then it, hey, and then it migrated to a board game for marketability. Ooh. Ben, what's Fog of Love? I just told you. You <laughs> should go see it uh, Where can you the, go see it? Yeah, go, definitely go see it out there. I don't know if Jeff is here, but, or Jacob, I mean. I don't know if Jacob is here. But uh, the, go see it out on the um, expo hall floor if you haven't. The, just look for the balloons. I see you walking in. Yeah, there's a big, there's a big, beautiful arc of balloons for the Fog of Love booth. Definitely yeah. check it out. Anyway, to get back to my answer, um, <laughs> we both really, really liked that game. We heard Shut Up and Sit Down talking about it, and we were like, we need to leave this show right now and go play it before the con is over and we never get a chance to. So we did, and we loved it, and we bought it, and we were like, we're going to make a podcast. And here we are. Um, you can't play that game. I mean, you probably could hack it, but you can't play that game with more than two people. But our love of that game and the fact that both of what we do for a living, what both of us does for a living is so relationship-based. That's another interest of ours. So we were like, okay, we can start with this game and then kind of branch out. And it's grown into this much bigger thing that is fun, collective storytelling, which is what I am assuming, so please forgive me if I'm wrong, but I am assuming that we are all here because we enjoy games that tell good stories. Yes. <laughs> I didn't even mean to pander that time. Thank you. <laughs> 
I've been um, doing playing role playing games for almost twenty years, and I I I remember like the beginning of that time period it being kind of easy to get like our game group together. Uh, like I'm looking at some people who I've been playing with for that long, and like it seemed easy back then. I don't know. Does anyone else agree that it's harder now to get your game group together than it used to be? Am I crazy? Honestly, I want to know if other people feel this way because yep. I think it's harder now. I don't know if the world has gotten busier and crazier. I think it has. Hi. But if, if, hey. Yeah. We have kids. Yeah. Yep. Even if I didn't have kids, but yes, I think that's a big factor. So life circumstance too. <laughs> but like, I think it's just harder to get people together now. And so, you know, we started playing that game. We found other role playing games we wanted to play as two players. And then like, uh, other duet opportunities just kept opening up because I realized that, well, like, I might not be able to get four people over to my house on like a Wednesday night anymore. But I can go online with my friend who lives in central Pennsylvania, Sean, and just like, hey, let's play some Waterdeep Dragon Heist, just the two of us online. Or Mel and I at home can just like break out a game after the kids go to bed. What's the and name of the game that you play with, Sean, since we're in Philly? I just said Waterdeep Dragon Heist. What kind of deep? <laughs> <laughs> so tangent, before I answer the question... Our last name sounds very similar to that word. And so I'm a school counselor at a school. And often children will come up to me like, Mrs. Waters. No, you got it wrong. You got it so wrong. We're just too close to Philadelphia for you to understand how wrong you got it. But that's okay. That's okay. Um, so to answer the question, I wasn't interested in duet games. I wasn't. I married him. So, um, But for me... Role-playing games have always been a huge part of our relationship because I don't, I for a long time did not play them outside of you whenever you were GMing or whenever games we were playing with our friends. Um, and I believe we had taken a huge hiatus from games just because of schedules and life. Yep. It was hard to get people together. It was a couple years we hadn't played games. And at around the same time, we got a home group started and you were just like, I need to play games. And so we started a podcast Hmm, I wouldn't have started a podcast, but <laughs> we, <laughs> but, we started, we did. but we started a podcast um, just so that we could play together yep. and, and kind of get that, those game juices going. And then we played Ew. a lot of games. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And so just to kind of build off on that, a scheduling was a huge part of it. And I think we've covered that. Uh, what I love, and I think everyone would agree, what, do what RPGs do for me that's different is it gives you an intimate storytelling experience. The energy for a duet RPG is vastly different than the energy for a large group. I don't, you don't understand how much RPGs are collaborative in ways that you didn't really consider until there's only two of you collaborating and it becomes this, uh, this exercise in um, in understanding, in, in collaborative world building, like Mackenzie said, that uh, is very personal in a lot of ways and becomes this very powerful uh, emotional experience. Um, I think continuing along those lines, I think we've talked about the games that we've played, but I would like to hear a little bit more about what your favorite game is for duets. Um, we play on heart points, uh, a lot of different games. Um, we had 60 episodes of Dungeon World. Has anyone played Dungeon World? 
Yeah. <laughs> Everyone who didn't raise their hands or whoop should play Dungeon World. Uh, it's a Powered by the Apocalypse game. Very simple rules. Very, uh, very straightforward. Uh, and because of its fictional positioning, because fiction uh, takes a lot of weight off of mechanics in a lot of ways, uh, it is excellent at being scalable for things like if you only have one party member. Um, and for a long time, that was our favorite duet game, yeah. even though it is not made for duets. Um, you gotta be real careful when you hack that game, otherwise you end up with like 60 NPCs, yeah. which is kind of, yeah, what it's kind of what happened. Yeah, we had a lot of them. Yeah, we had a lot of NPCs by the end of that campaign. <laughs> I love NPCs if I'm not the DM. Yeah. Know, Just right? saying. It's great to interact with them. Right, yeah. great if you're a listener too, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to be the DM for yeah. all those NPCs. There are only so many voices I can do, yo. I, I have like one. It's I the, can like help the... you with some if you want. <laughs> um. So Dungeon World for a long time was like my go-to, and I'd like to hear what, uh, or actually any PBTA, I'd like to hear what you guys like. We met, I mentioned Fog of Love, but Mel and I both have Starcross t-shirts on, and uh, Starcross is probably my, it might be my favorite role-playing game. It's really good. I, it is I, really good. I really like it a lot. If you haven't played it, it's a, um, it's a romance uh, role-playing game for two people using, um, it's sort of a, a uh, and it evolved out of Dread, the horror game with the Jenga Tower, and it's um, like a romance tension. Um, and in where, some ways, it is still horrifying. Yeah. Well, yeah, so it <laughs> plays off the tension of a uh, star-crossed uh, love relationship. It's a super good game. Which, uh, if you don't already know this, oh, if, is Blaine here? I can't see anybody. No, but, Blaine's not here. Uh, our, our, our friend Blaine... Uh, found a new version of Scrabble that adds to the horror. Would you like to describe? Not Scrabble. That's not what I said. I said Jenga. <laughs> Can you describe this new version of Jenga that is not Scrabble? Yeah, well, you could use it for Starcross. I guess it's where you both, you have to pass the tower. It's on a little, it's on like a little stand you hold with one nope. hand. Nope. And you but have to why? hold it, but no. pull out, and then hand it to the other person. So and we're it gonna, does we're not come with Xanax. We nope. have to <laughs> use it. Nope. We yep. have to use it for Starcross sometime. It seems like it's amazing. It's Absolutely like not. Did, no. High school Starcross or something. Sorry, did we say how did we say how Starcross works? Like the like the basic <laughs> mechanics? Okay. So the way Starcross works kind is uh, you just sit there and you go, No, I don't want to touch the town. You play as two people who are uh, who want to do it but can't. So okay, good glad we're thirteen plus. You play as two people who want to be together but cannot for whatever reason. Uh, Diane and I played a game where we were uh, a ship's AI and a space miner. Um, it's really good. You should yeah, it's really yeah. good. We were uh, a monk and a nun. Yeah, the first monk, time we a monk played, and yeah. a nun, yeah. <laughs> and so every time you want to do something to try to progress the relationship, you have to pull from the Jenga tower and put it on top. And if you want to have your character talk to the other character, you have to touch the Jenga tower. And if the Jenga tower falls, you give in to your passions. Um, and depending on how far along you got determines how well that ends up turning out for you. Yeah. It is excellently stressful and anxiety-inducing, like, beautiful game. Beautiful. I will tell you that every time we play it, I get about halfway through the game, and I'm like, I'm just going to knock this over. This is terrible. I don't like the stress of this. This is awful. I, this is not fun for me. I also did not like dating for the same reason. This is not, I don't want to do this. This is stressful. I just want to knock this over. Not interested. Ugh. 
Anyway, I'm sorry. Starcrossed. No, yeah. So that's that's a game that we, <laughs> do we really love. Do we play but games? We also, I, I think we also really love playing. Though there's a lot of really good itch.io games. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. For two people that, and we love that. Um, yeah, especially like, yeah. like, like if you're bored at the airport, <laughs> like you yeah. can play these games anywhere, which is amazing. But. I mean, we've played so many. We've even played, like, I don't think we played it on our podcast, but in order to create the story for the season we have this year and the setting, we played The Quiet Year quite a few times, which yep. was really fun. Yeah, you guys have done that with two people, yeah, too, we right? Have. Yep. Yeah, we have. Uh, should we talk about The Quiet Year? Wait, no. Oh, no, Kenzie. you're right, you're right. Hi. Don't. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, so... Here's the thing. Dennis and I have only played D&D together, mm-hmm. and that might just be because... We found out, like, D&D was our first TTRPG, and then um, I was the uh, quintessential DM's girlfriend for a hot second there. Um, but then I sort of took on, I started figuring, finding more games and finding things, uh, exploring it on my own, and I found a lot of games, um, and he stayed with D&D. So <laughs> the only game we play together is D&D. So, I mean, I guess the answer splits in two for me. The favorite game for us to play is D&D because it is something that we both understand and it's very easy for us to play because he gets it. He knows it like the back of his hand, which means I know how to mess with it. Yeah. And as I'm, I'm the DM, so I'm like, I, we, we can respond and we have that sort of quick back and forth and it doesn't feel like there's any like downtime. It feels like we're like actively engaging in something and creating something, which is awesome. D&D is not built for two people. It's just not. Um, we've, we've hacked it. A, a bit, and we've twisted some things around. Um, I think one of my favorite game systems that I think would work really well for duet play would be Cypher. Um, just because Cypher system itself is so flexible, yeah. and scaling, it's pretty easy because everything is just built based on tiers of difficulty, and all you have to do is roll a d20. And I think with the um, the point system, as well as, I love the critical, um, what is it, critical success and uh, GM intrusions, that just adds such a dynamicness to the game, which I think with two people would be like, can completely change things. It's not necessarily built for two players, but I think it is a little easier to just sort of pick up and play with just a DM and a player than like, you know, D&D. Yeah. Yeah. I do like D&D 5e for two players, though, I'll, I'll say. And I know it's not made for it, uh, but I, I've enjoyed playing it that way uh, because I guess I'm the kind of GM naturally who likes to let players sort of have fun fulfilling whatever it is they want to do, which is so much easier when you only have to worry about one of them and like letting them <laughs> you know, fulfill all their hopes and dreams as a character. Es- especially a if I'm not that one. No, I don't know about that. I, I don't think that's true. It's all good. I know who I am. Uh, <laughs> but yet, but you do have to kind of, like you were saying, like stock in NPCs, yeah. Yeah. adjust yeah. a lot. It's just more of it's like D&D story, like telling a story with like D&D and like being able to have that character central storyline I love. That mm. is amazing and that is something that D&D does really well because of its mechanics are very experiential and um, leveling focused. And so having just one character be like, you just do this and you get levels and stuff. However, the way that the game is structured for you to gain those experiences is very combat oriented and combat with a single player? Mmm, <laughs> that's, a, that's a time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I do think, so I do think another point in D&D's favor is that so many players love it. Like, yeah. like you said, like Dennis feels comfortable with D&D and likes D&D and wants to play D&D. A lot of people just want to play D&D. And that's totally 
fine. You don't have to branch. Like you, you right. like ever. A lot of people put a lot of pressure. Be like, you should branch out. But like, if you enjoy D and D and that makes you happy, do it, yo. Yeah. Yeah. Word. I also. So this is maybe a little personal. I don't care about rules, so I think you can just. Hey, I really me don't. Neither. So, I, so I feel like you can just take a system that you both are comfortable with. I know. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we should switch seats. No, I'm. A, I, feel, I, I feel the same way. I, I feel but, the same way. Fuck yeah, I mean, f, f them, f them. But you can, but you can take a system that you're both comfortable with and just kind of like. Obviously, you can't just like fuck all the rules because then what game are you playing? There you go. See, I listen. I listen. But but you take but you take the game and you take away the rules that just are like no. I'd, I'm not rolling for initiative. There's one person. I'm fighting the thing. I'm not rolling for initiative. I don't have to do that. Like I think you can just you know throw, throw away the rules you don't want and keep I the rules the you want. I think the two game designers on the <laughs> bookends of this panel know, are right. dying on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you how excited I am right now. <laughs> At the rules. I'm uh, yes. What what is playing rules? with you is so fun. I, I do think fifth edition is a pretty easy game though to fudge. Like I think you yeah. you know especially if you have a screen or something you roll that d20 and you can kind of like I just don't tell the player doesn't know what I rolled so I like make on the fly adjustments that I have to make to keep the person alive and now, <laughs> there are though though I guess <laughs> who did I invite on this. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? Maybe, maybe making but, it all up. But maybe the answer to that is that there are better. There are games that just do that. Right. Better. Yeah. Well, and and so like, and that goes back to choosing a game for to play it with your significant other is is a matter of what is going to be interesting to you and how much work do you want to put into it. Yeah. Um, and the truth is that there are, there is a boom of duet RPGs coming out, especially on itch.io is a treasure trove of beautiful artistic. Um, wonderful personal duet RPGs. But your partner or you might just want to kill goblins. Um, and that if fun. that's what you want to do together, you can hack Dungeon World or you can hack Dungeons and Dragons and we you can, can make right it now. work. I want to kill some goblins. Listen, I'd be so for stabbing. You're I, gonna leave I love goblins. stabbing yeah. things. I love stabbing things in my games. Just stab, can, stab, can, stab. can everyone tell which one of us are the DMs and which one of us are the players? <laughs> In some ways, I'm a DM all day long because I keep my kids alive. <laughs> so when I'm playing a game, I want to mess with someone else. <laughs> I'm going to ruin your world that you have created for me because small children ruin mine every day. <laughs> also every that. Every day. Also that. Yes. <laughs> every day. Sorry. So we, we talked about uh, favorite favorite game. Um, what would you... what? In your opinion, what do you think is the most challenging part of RPGs duet style? And I, we might have touched on this a little bit, but I think we've mostly been singing their praises. Um, I, I'm interested in hearing what is what is challenging about playing duet. I would like to go first. Oh, okay. I would like to go first. Um, I raised my hand. Please go first. I work in a school. I raised both of my hands, but it's okay. You can go first. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, so I think the thing that's the most challenging for duet RPGs specifically with your partner, like this is a specific with your partner thing, is that I know your personality very well and you know mine very well, but when we get to the table, I am supposed to be somebody different, but I'm still me, 
which means that we get into a lot of arguments <laughs> because, <Stop laughs> because you, you're the GM and you love these rules and you've created this world for me and I go in and I'm going to talk to that NPC that you had no plans for, but my character would do it and now I'm Diana and now I'm stubborn about it and I'm going to go talk to that NPC and I don't care about the magician who's in the corner with my quest. I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> I'm talking to that one. And it just... So that intimacy that comes with those one-on-one, those duet RPGs, that intimacy is wonderful and you create these beautiful stories, but it also creates this space where there's going to be a little bit more conflict and it's good because it means that you're comfortable. You're having, you have that comfort with your partner to be able to feel comfortable, I keep saying that word, um, to argue and to have that conflict. And it's, it's interesting, but it is difficult. Like it, it's difficult to navigate that because you still have your own personalities, but you're in this game having your different personalities. And if you're Diana, you clash a lot. Oh, <laughs> oh it's my turn now. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, you don't have to be sorry. That was a great answer. I wish, now I wish I hadn't raised both my hands. <laughs> uh, so I think, so I have two answers. I'm going to give you my best shot at being serious. Here we go. I think that playing with just two players, especially in a game that is narrative heavy and driven by narrative, for example, Starcross, but that's definitely not the only one, is difficult if you feel like you get stuck. Like, especially if it's a new game, like the first time we played Starcross, we probably had, do you have what, like eight, nine hours of silence you had to cut? Or us going like, I have no idea <laughs> what happens next. Like, we can't do this because then technically the tower falls and you can't do that because, like, I'm not going to describe to you how I'm, like, looking at the floor. That's not fun for anyone to listen to. Um, but through practice, I think that gets better. And the more that we work together uh, just one-on-one and the more that we play new games that are in along the, these those lines um, and the more we just continue telling a shared story together the better we get at it I'm pretty sure I have a long way to go but, <laughs> but um, it's fun and I think that that goes back to what Zach had said about like how much work you want to put in it if you're going to put the work into telling a good story, then you're going to tell a good story and have a really fun time doing it along the way. And the reason that we record it is because we hope that other people have fun listening to the story that we're proud that we were able to tell. Is I that think, a good answer? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I think <laughs> the biggest struggle that, at least personally, I've experienced with trying to play duet TTRPGs is conflicting play styles. Because if you have two different play styles, there's no one else around to help soften the blow. There are, there are two different play styles at the table, yep. and you, you have to work that out. And that's something that you have to... It's something that, well, Dennis and I had to learn, unfortunately, the hard way. Um, I've, as we were playing the first arc of One on One, we're currently in the second arc, which is... Uh, in the first arc, he DM'd, and then in the second arc, I am currently DMing. Um, the reason for that switch around was because when we were DMing the first arc, I found out that my play style does not match with his DM style as well as we, we hoped. And there is that expectation that we've really wanted this to work. We wanted so badly to play D&D together and have fun and make this story. But he created a very, he was a very much a, uh, here's your quest, here's what you do next, here's step two, here's step three. And I was like, what if I did step A instead? And he couldn't, <laughs> he had a difficult time sort of, being flexible around that. He had very much a very linear sort of mindset. And that works really well for traditional dungeon crawls. It doesn't work well for people like me who are absolute chaos gremlins mm-hmm. and are just 
bad at like <laughs> yeah. following instructions. If you tell me to do something, I'm immediately going to go. But what if no? Yes. Yep. I don't like you tell me not to push the button, I'm going to push the button. So, um that ended up being something that it was just we wanted it so badly to work out and we loved each other. We love each other so much, but it was just so hard to be able to to have to sit down and be like I'm not having fun. Yeah. Having to look my partner in the eye and go I love you. I love this world we've created, but I am not having fun. And I want to fix that because I love you and I want to play this game with you and I want to have fun. And it's when you that happens in larger D&D groups and larger gaming groups overall, but it's a lot easier when you have a, a larger group and it, it can be a conversation when you have to confront like in when that one-on-one -on -one space and be like this thing we're creating it's imbalanced and our play styles aren't meshing and I want to make that work. That hurts. That sucks, but it's something that you have to do if you're if you're not having fun and being able to bro breach that communication and sort of step out of that game space you're creating for a minute and just make sure that the players, that you and your partner and your relationship are doing okay and that you are having fun and this is something you enjoy as people. That's the hard part, especially when it's someone you love and someone you're, you're dating or married to or having a long-term relationship with. That was the hardest thing for us. Yeah. Thankfully, we were able to figure something out. It took us approximately six months of us setting the campaign down and not touching it and finally going, and, and me finally getting the courage to take up the DM's chair and go, I can try DMing. I'm chaotic and you're very linear. What if I took up the DM seat because plans? No, you want a plan? Like, I'll give you something and you know, you'll have your steps and you can say like, I think I should do this next. And I'll be like, yes, that is entirely what I planned <laughs> the entire time. Yes, of course. <laughs> and we're working on like making it more of a conversation where I learn from his style and he learns from mine. And thankfully we were able to communicate that and make it work, but that's challenging and it's hard. And that's something that a lot of people are like, ah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a break. It's going to be great. And then it, that roadblock comes up and no one knows how to broach that conversation. That's was the worst part of it for us. Yeah. Then when it's your SO, you could exacerbate fights that you may already have mm -hmm. out of the game space. No. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, I'm not. Nope. It's, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be honest about it. I like, if I'm already mad at you, and we sit down at the table, the, it's not gonna go well. Yeah. Well, <laughs> there there have been times where we've sat down to record, and uh, we've gotten five minutes into the recording. We've like introduced ourselves, and we've started to set up the the session. And then um, I just kind of, I just kind of like look down at the dice. I look back up, and I'm, like, I'm not in a headspace. I I can't do this. Yeah. Um, and then we go, okay, we'll table it. We'll play it. We'll check back in in a couple hours and then we'll see if we feel like playing then. And if not, we put it off even longer. We do it the next day and then we end up missing <laughs> schedules. But, uh, it, it's, all of that is 100%. Like, you are playing with someone who you care very much about and that changes the relationship of your table. Um, I think in some ways it does make it harder to have those conversations, absolutely. Um, I, as, a, as an introvert who hates talking to people, I am much more willing to like come to Diana and be like, hey, I hated the tone of that session. Can we talk about why our tone didn't mesh up? Like, what was I aiming for? What were you aiming for? In a way that I very rarely do with like large groups because I'm too anxious to tell another GM like, hey, I, I hated that, that sucked. Um, and I would never say that to anyone <laughs> or Diana. Um, but 
because you're so close to these to to this person, um, it's it's hard and it's painful. But hopefully, you should be able to have those like in a way that like for other people, for me, it's a non-starter. For Diana, it's just painful. So, <laughs> sorry, that was a joke. <laughs> Um, it, it, it opens up possibilities. I, I'm just going to say, I wasn't going to, I'm going to say, I think that this would be an interesting exercise for new couples to build that communication, to build that trust. I don't know how well that would go, which is why I hesitated saying anything, but I wonder, I think it might be interesting like to facilitate those conversations because they come up, because they come up, because you put me in front of my enemy who I was not prepared to fight and I didn't want to fight her and you put her in front of me and I wanted to run away but you kept making me try to fight her and it was a whole thing and if we had been a new couple that would have turned into a huge fight and it only turned into a moderate argument. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's because of the relationship we had and the communication skills that we had but I wonder, I just, that has, that's neither here nor there. I just think it'd be interesting. I know we're talking about the potential co- downsides to two-player RPGs, but it's okay if I build on oh, that. Oh, yeah, we can yeah, start moving to talk about yeah. well, cause, uh, Because one of the things I think that playing an RPG with your significant other can do is it can, I think it can really, I think you can, you can purposefully use it to enhance and, and, and build your relationship, to make your relationship stronger. I think that it offers a ton that can do that. And you can be many degrees of intentional about that from like playing dungeon world and just using it as an opportunity to share a creative space and communicate and learn how to communicate better which is always uh, hugely helpful for a relationship um all the way to like finding games that specifically uh can sort of tackle issues that couples have um we play fog of love as we talked about before and the creator of that game jacob has said that he's had people come up to him and say like your game helped save our relationship because we played this game that is based on the psychology of relationships and had revelations about ourselves that caused us to communicate with each other and work on them and go to therapy and come out the other side of that a stronger couple. And so I think that role-playing games and games in general can really help couples to build stronger relationships when you play together. Yes. (laughs) I have a question for you. If we're going back to the, yes, Benjamin. Um, the person sitting directly next to me on my right side. Is the hardest part of playing a two-player RPG with me? Oh, no. <laughs> really put this is a trap. I have, I, I'm rolling perception. I'm rolling it, perception. This is a trap. Is it the voices that I do? Or, or, I mean, there's a worse part. So is it this one or that one? It's not that hard. Is it the voices that I do or... The fact that you have to restrain the urge to murder me several times a recording session. <laughs> I told you, it's okay. I know who I am. I can't answer that question in front of this group of people. So one's not worse than it's the other. It's definitely not B because I never want to murder you in front of, I mean, so it, it's period. B. So, so no. he says. No. So no. he says. You, well, you know, but that kind of goes back to what we were talking about before. Like, if... Um, if you, we have we have different play styles, I think, where like I take games more seriously than Mel does naturally, and that's fine. Like that's I, I think that that's great, but you have to overcome that sometimes. If um, one person has an expectation that a scene is going to be serious and the other person does not, and so that's just something you have to I communicate. I take everything right? I do very seriously. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what that dynamic is like at all. I can't say anything about it. <laughs> I'm going to stop talking. 
What are rules? I feel like I'm just spectating something oh, and no. it's just quietly spiraling out of control and I'm just like eating popcorn. <laughs> um, so Where's the popcorn? Oh, that would be so good. Yeah, I want popcorn. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, we talked a little bit about what makes duets specifically rewarding. Does anyone have any, uh, add, want to add to any, about what makes duet play rewarding in different ways than full party play? And I was wondering, Mackenzie, if we could start on your end. Um, I love collaborative world building. It's the most fun I've had, and it is the world that I've created with Dennis in one-on-one. Um, it's given us a chance to explore Basically, it's given us this massive creative avenue that we didn't have at the time, and now it's just like something that we've created. And having, we're not married, we don't have kids. This is our baby. This world is our baby. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Um, <laughs> we're the babies. Of, well, we we are the babies on this panel. Um, but like, the thing is, is we're we live so far away, and I get to see him like twice a year. Um, it's so good to have that common thread and being able to like know that that world exists out there and like it's different than like a, a single session game like you know I fuck a love a single session mm. I've, I've never played it but it is a single yeah, session yeah, yeah. Uh, so like a, a single session thing where it's like you 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 play once and then you you leave it there on the table with a D and D campaign where it's long term it exists even when you're not together and you're not playing. That world still exists. Those characters still exist. They're puttering around in your head. The maps, the maps he's drawn, and the <laughs> maps I have sort of—I don't prep. Um, <laughs> the little information I've given him, and the ideas that I have, and just those the, the NPCs I've created, and letting that still live and breathe in the world that you've created, and knowing that still exists between us. And even though we're super far apart, and even though sometimes I get mad at him, and Sometimes we fight, and sometimes life gets so stressful. But knowing that, like, we still have that world to come back to, and it's safe, and it's ours, and it's something we put our ourselves and our our love and our creativity into that is so so rewarding for us. And it's just something that we love to share with everyone because it's like, look at what we did together. Because we are creative and awesome, and we work together. And I love you, and I love this. I think we could probably jointly answer this question, right? Because you just mentioned the world that we built. Um, we used a quiet year and a timeline. We drew an actual timeline, didn't we? <clears throat> I don't even do that, like, ever. But it was important that we had the timeline, right? Um, and even though Fog of Love is a one-shot game, the... <sighs> world that we created around this game and the other games that we've played within this world that we've created do a lot of those same things. Yeah, it's fascinating to me that your answer is like the world building because that's where my mind went too with like building this fictional town of charity and all the people that live in it and it's something that we made together and that we share and we share it with other people but like I, I would probably do I would do it with the, if we had other people or not. Like the podcast part keeps us honest but like you know it's really I really feel like I do it for we do it for us you know. Yeah. So, my, I have two answers. I, I have two answers. I just talk a lot. I'm sorry, guys. 
Um, so my first is that I get to like do things in a one-on-one -on -one game that I don't get to do in like full party games. Um, and since we are 13 plus, I'm gonna go ahead and say it. In our one-on-one -on -one game, I get to try to stab things in the taint all the time. <laughs> all the time, I try to do it, I try to do it all the time. And <laughs> I do, I try the, to do it all the time. That made the 13 plus rating had, worth it. Just, listen, it sure did. I, it's so good. I have justification for it. I try to paint the picture no, for it. It never, and I do. <laughs> I do. Well, she but, argues that she has the justification. I listen yes. to their show. She argues that she has the justification for it. And I'm, she's very convincing. I'm sorry. Thank I you. think you always Thank have the you. justification to do something like that. Thank you very Stab much. Stab in the taint. That's amazing. Um, what a great then, story. Isn't this about storytelling? <laughs> that's a great story. <laughs> taint stabbing. But that's not something that I would necessarily feel comfortable doing at a, a big party, like at the big table. Like, I wouldn't want to do that. <laughs> I would stab him in the taint. I would. Um, maybe with you guys. Yeah, maybe no, I'd 100% do that at totally a big table. Totally would. Yeah, I'd yes. Yes. No. But like, I, I mean, maybe with our home group, but like with other people, I wouldn't feel comfortable doing that. And so I get to explore that, my like silly, ridiculous stuff. <laughs> Stabbing him in the tank, I get to explore that. <laughs> but on a more serious note, on a more serious note. <laughs> you killed Mackenzie. I'm sorry. <laughs> is this what marriage is? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. Yes, <laughs> yes it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> But on a Zach, more serious I'm so sorry. Please invite <laughs> us again next time. I'm sorry. But on a more serious note, um, Zach and I have very different interests, just in general. I'm very into K-dramas. I'm like so into K-dramas, it's ridiculous. Um, he is not. He is into other things. Shocking. Um, I know. <laughs> Why wouldn't you be, be into K-dramas? They're Side growing note. on me. They're, that's because I've made them. But <laughs> yeah! But, we, I mean, this has always been our case. Like, I wasn't into role-playing games. He was, and I just kind of tagged along. I wasn't into the same kind of music he was. He wasn't into the same kind of music that I was. Like, we're just, we're different. And so playing one-on-one -on -one gives us a shared time to do something that we both enjoy. And it's, and because we make it a podcast, it's something regular. It's regular time that we're spending together for a certain amount of time. And those days where I'm really mad at him, I'm like, I only have to do this for an hour. And those days where I'm like super happy to be with him, I'm like, oh, we can do this for more. Um, but it's just, it's, it's just a nice, it's just like nice quality time that I get to spend with my partner when we don't have a ton of interests, like similar interests outside of this. So it's just some nice quality time. I think, yeah, I would definitely agree with the quality time. Um, uh, oh, um, I think similar to what you said about it being an opportunity to um, explore, like, your silly side, what I... I wouldn't call it my silly side. Well, all right. Um, my more adventurous side. One of the things that I love about duet RPGs is your ability to tell heartbreaking <laughs> stories, yeah. uh, which is another thing that we've done a lot, like... Um, we had, we've had on our show some taint, taint stabbing, um, <laughs> but we've also had some really heartbreaking he stories, <laughs> like some really beautiful stories in other games. Uh, we yeah. played uh, uh, two games of For the Queen, if anyone is familiar with For the Queen. It's a uh, beautiful card-based game uh, where you are escorting a queen uh, across enemy territory, and at the end of the game, she is going to be attacked, and the, t and the knights, everyone at the table is playing a knight in the queen's envoy. Uh, you have to decide that whether or not you are going to defend the queen based on your, on your relationship with her. And it's this beautiful game. It's this heartbreaking game. Um, and it's something that when I've had the chance to play it with Diana, we have told these absolutely gorgeous, wonderful stories 
um, that just that break my heart at the end in a way that I wouldn't feel comfortable making myself vulnerable at another table. Um, your ability to tell stories where, where you are exposed in a duet game it, in general is quite different than in a, in a large group. Even if it's a group that you care about and you trust and you're playing with a lot of good safety tools and, and engaged in understanding your bleed, um, it's just different when the person across the table from you is someone who you have a real sincere relationship with uh, that allows you to explore something that you might not be comfortable doing otherwise. Yeah, and, and you may not be comfortable in a large group uh, RPG setting doing romance or um, mm -hmm. getting sexy. But you might want to do that. Maybe you want to explore that with your significant other role-playing. And you can. If you do it just the two of you, it sort of gives you that space to do that. Who knows? Maybe you want to explore something kinky. Who knows? But, it, but you can do that when you play yeah. role-playing games at home alone. <laughs> and it's more comfortable than uh, when you have like all of your other friends sitting there watching. And maybe you don't want to do that. Are you playing games with somebody else that I don't know about? Um, hypothetical. <laughs> You hypothetically are playing games with somebody else I don't know about. <laughs> we have about 15 minutes till, so I would like to open up the floor if anyone has any questions. There is a microphone uh, to my right and a microphone to my left on either side of the room. Uh, if you could line up, we would love to take any questions that you might have about duet RPGs, duet oh, RPGs with, your, uh, with a significant other, oh. or anything. People are interested. Uh, let's start over here. Okay. Hi. I'm Becky. Hi. Hi. Um, Hi. So, both of my, partner, both of my partners are uh, very extroverted and experienced GMs, and I'm a very introverted uh, kind of noob. Do you have any advice for uh, how uh, I might be able to break more into GMing or taking a little bit more control of uh, the game and not just kind of being the spectator to like play through whatever they've come up with? Ooh, ben, you just read something great on this, didn't you? I was just thinking that I w I've been reading Monty Cook's new game, uh, Your Best Game Ever, which is a fabulous book. I highly recommend for anybody who wants to read about jamming a little more. It's a really, really good book. Um, so I was in your position uh, six, six, seven-ish months ago. Uh, he was the DM. He was the, the regular DM, and I was the, I don't know how to play Dungeons and Dragons, but I really like it. Sort of like, and I was just sort of this really shy... And I didn't know how to like get into the game, and it was such a struggle for me. Even though I like I wanted to play it so much, I just there was just this wall that I couldn't break through because I was just shy and I didn't feel like I knew how to play. And for some reason, that made me feel like I was playing wrong. Which is we can swear on this panel, right? Yep. Yeah, we <laughs> it's already bullshit. Did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think what helped me get comfortable was learning like safety systems yep. um, and learning about session zeros. If you don't know what session zero is, it's essentially where you sit down with your other players right before the game. It doesn't have to be a full-length session, but it's essentially you sit down, you talk about like your expectations, your goals, what you like, what you don't like. And through that, you can figure out um, what, how, how you can bounce off each other. And that also opens up a safe space for you to talk to your partners about like, hi, I am having a little trouble with like getting into certain things or, or doing these things. And just, or like, I have trouble you have such an open, like, boisterous world, and I have trouble, like, f figuring out where I fit in, and I kind of feel like a spectator. What do you think we can do? And just working with them, um, and in terms of just 
GMing and trying to become like a more extroverted GM and like get into that seat, give it a whirl. You're with people you trust. And if you're people with trust, they're going to love what you do no matter what. And it's going to be, it's going to be scary. This fear never goes away. You just, as a DM, you learn how to channel it into something else. Awesome. Usually Thank maniacal you. laughter. Yeah. <laughs> I can't find it because I have so many freaking pictures of our kids on here, but um, Ben sent me an excerpt from the Monty Cook's Your Best Game Ever book about also like how to be a, a better player. And because I'm sitting here right now, I can't remember any of it, and I'm hoping you can help me remember yeah. part of it. I would just say it's a good book. If you feel like reading about it, it, it covers everything from playing to jamming, and it's, 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 it's really fabulous. And there are specific suggestions of like what you can actually do as a player, not just like do this better or do that better, but like think about this aspect of your character or this aspect of your backstory. And one thing for me has been to really think about your backstory as seriously as the story you are telling once you're actually playing. So hopefully that's helpful. Cool. Uh, could we take your question? Sorry. Um, so. My husband is very much into gaming, and um, it's actually something that we are very into. However, I'm the chaotic person, and I like to... <laughs> he is not. Um, and, um, but I also like playing the same game over and over and over again, and uh, that drives him insane. Um, you said Fog of Love was a really good game, but you also said, correct me if I'm wrong, that it was a one-time thing. So are there any games that you think that are really good that you could play over and over again, but not annoy your partner? So let me correct me because I was wrong. It is, it is a one-time thing in that you sit down, you open it, you play it, and at the end that story has been told. Um, but it's twofold. Like You can play it again every time and tell a different story, or you can get creative, and I'll let you speak a little bit more to this, dear, uh, like we did in... You know, we built this world in which we play Fog of Love and some other games, but, you know, primarily, primarily our podcast, um, you know, started with Fog of Love. And we have gone back and revisited, like, NPCs, for example, as player characters when we open this game and play again. So, you know, it's, it blurs the lines between, like, a board game and RPG because you can get so invested in it, and it is telling this story about a relationship. And, you know, but at the end of the day, it is still a board game with cards and chips and pieces and stuff like that. So, you know, you can... I think it's perfect because, especially in the situation you're describing, it, you can either play it over and over and over and have a different experience every time using the same game, same mechanics and have the same feel. Or you can mess with it a little bit and then say, you know, like, uh, there's a card called Gorgeous Alex and I won't ruin it if anyone's never played the game, but like, you can go back and play Gorgeous Alex as one of the two people in a relationship later on if you want to. And it's still the same game. The box comes with like uh, four, I think, different... Um, uh, like stories in it that you can play through so you know you learn how to play that game and then you could play four different stories but of course you could revisit them with new characters mm -hmm. tell new stories the outcomes will be different and then there's like three or four expansions which are even more stories I think there's four yeah so there and and so um, yeah there's some good replay value but it is sort of a one-shot experience it's not like you're gonna be building a long-term campaign or something yeah, and you, you should also, I strongly recommend if you have a chance today, go up there and ask them about it because they have some 
really great insight into like the way the mechanics of the game work as well. Thank you. Hi there. Hi. Um, Hi. Hello. I'm really excited about the idea of doing the kind of one-on-one uh, RPG because uh, as a we've talked about a safe space where you can kind of improve, right? Improve as a player or improve as a DM. Um, my personal weakness as a DM in kind of the three pillars of role-playing is or of D&D is kind of the role-playing side and mm. specifically with kind of generating NPCs on the fly and kind of creating and dropping into a person very quickly. Uh, I feel like you might have answered this a little bit with some of the games you recommended, but I was wondering if you had a suggestion for specifically a game that would help me work on generating NPCs and creating those kind of quick NPCs on the fly in kind of the safe space of a duo game. Oh, interesting. A, a good game for learning how to generate NPCs. Um, oh, do you have an idea? Well, yeah. yeah, I'll tell you where I learned how to do that, which is, was playing Savage Worlds, which I played for a long time as a group, but it is the game that taught me how to just spit NPCs out on the fly because in that game it's just so non-linear and people would go the players would go all over the place in places I could never expect it was chaos everywhere like it was chaos all the time and uh, <laughs> and so I just had to like f- fly uh, NPCs out but that game is so sort of easy to do that it like helps you do that because you only need to know a couple of dice um, and, and so I think that other story games are probably good at that too but that was the game that taught me how to how to do that I, I love random tables. Um, is something that I, I adore random tables. Um, it, they're, it's such a useful tool, especially when you are trying to like come up with something on the fly. Um, just to build something up, give you a really quick sketch that you can build off of. And one of my favorite uh, games that use random tables to build characters is a game called Space Post by Jason Morningstar. Um, it is a game where you are a... a, a, a courier in space and you're going around to the, your three planets on your route uh, delivering packages to people and all of the all of the characters are randomly generated um, so you're just rolling dice on these beautiful really interesting wonderful tables about uh, people what they're like what their personalities are like um, and I think it is a great jumping off point uh, to consider um, uh, what makes a character and what is important to a character in a game Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, we have five minutes left, so probably only one or two more questions. Hello. Um, I just want to thank you for doing the panel first. Um, You're welcome. Thank you for coming. Yes, oh, thank sweet. you. Sweet. Okay. Um, I have a question regarding about turning D&D into a two-player game. Mm-hmm. You had said that it's not necessarily the best system for it, so I was just wondering what are some of the quickest and easiest changes you can make to kind of fit okay. it. So um, when I well when Dennis and I sat down to I'm going to try to do this as really quickly as possible. When Dennis and I sat down, there are a couple of options. There are the sidekicks, which were just released, I believe, in like the Essentials kit. Um, and I know for a lot of people who play uh, duet uh, or duet D and D, sidekicks are a really easy way to keep combat somewhat balanced while also like just having one player. Um, and so just like either having the player control. Their, uh, their PC and their sidekick or having a what's called a DM PC, uh, uh, basically a player character that is controlled by the DM, so technically an NPC, but functions as another party member. However, Dennis and I did not want to do that because we were like, our characters are alone. We want them to feel alone. And we're very mean. Wow. Yeah. It so, is really dark. Yeah. No, we were like, their characters are alone. We want them to learn how to figure stuff out on their own because sometimes that's what life is. Yeah. We were very yeah. angsty teens when this came, when this idea happened, okay? Um, and so what we did was just, well, what I found for the hardest thing for 
D&D is, is balancing combat, I realized that not every combat, you don't need to kill the thing at the end. Sometimes a combat is just running away from guards, or you have wizards that just cast a fireball and move, which is, a, I hope Dennis isn't listening, because that might be a spoiler for next session, oopsies. Um, <laughs> it's just like understanding that experience isn't necessarily come from defeating the thing and killing it. There are other ways to create encounters that are encouraged, like have them retrieve something and run out of somewhere before it detonates or before the guards catch them. Those are still technically combat or encounters that gain experience mechanically, but they, um, they don't rely so heavily on the, you have to do a certain number of damage per turn or else you are screwed. And that was, that was what helped me. Thank you. Hi. Hi. Um, so I know like usually there's a DM and then there's a player, but is there any uh, rules-based systems that ha are already created that are just the two of you without a DM? Oh, yes. Oh. Um, some <laughs> like of my life. favorites are... Um, uh, what, what we played recently, we played Shock, which is a, so, uh, a social science fiction game, uh, which is available here. Uh, it's uh, a game of uh, anthology stories in a science fiction world that you come up with together. Um, Questlandia is GMless, which is a high adventure fantasy game. Um, no Quiet. GM. Quiet Year. Quiet Year Quiet is a map-making post-apocalypse game, um, a community-building game. Any others? We mentioned Starcross already. No, our, there's no GM for that. Mm -hmm. We um, mentioned for the Queen, um, and it is the you're just answering prompts on a question uh, from cards, and it's easy with an asterisk. Um, and there's no GM, and and it's rewarding. Uh, what is it? One of my friends designed the Land Whispers, which is a card-based prompt game about us leaving somewhere and uh, building a home together. And you can play it with uh, you can actually play that with one to four people. So. That one is entirely GMless, and it's based on drawing from different decks. Um, so there are a lot. I would suggest look on Itch.io. A mm -hmm. lot of um, a lot of uh, indie RPGs are up there that are GMless, and those are super fun. Mm -hmm. You can find some real gems on there. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, and I think that's all we're. Uh, sorry. You got two I minutes. Just, I just really want. I just want to say that we did hack Dungeon World, where we were. En we ended oh. up both being the GM and oh, yeah. both being the player. Hmm. And if I had been slightly more confident, that maybe would have worked out really well. I was just really excited about Corgi Butts, so I like threw in Corgi Butts a lot. Um, but Powered by the Apocalypse actually does work quite well if you're looking for something that's more like adventure campaign-y. Um, one of the good things about Powered by the Apocalypse games is that the GM has a clear rule of list of moves and uh, agendas, like guiding principles that the GM should follow, uh, which makes it quite easy to kind of divvy it up. And when your character's acting, your, your, your partner is making a GM move. Um, and that is, I think they were quite well GMless. Um, oh, it's time. Yeah, so, we got a minute uh, left. We don't. That's why I was going to say, can we say yeah. where, oh, so, yeah, they cut us off? No, okay. Oh, no. So we, <laughs> we are Heart Points. Our was, podcast is called Heart Points. You can find us on Twitter at HeartPointsPod. You can find me at ZWGarth. You can find me at ICDiana. We'll also be kind of like hovering a little bit afterwards if you guys had questions or wanted to write it down. And that's what I was going to say. Those brave folks who stood up to ask questions, oh, I will no. gladly answer them Same. for you. Um, yeah, we're, we're Pot of Love, and you can find us at allportsopen.com and on Podcatchers um, at Pot of Love on Twitter. 
I'm at Benjamin Wallace on Twitter. And if you, we have free swag, we'd love to give you stickers, buttons, coasters. So I don't know find us afterwards. So pot of love, <laughs> at pot of love on Twitter. And then he'll tell me what you said. That's usually what happens. <laughs> you can find one-on-one -on -one, uh, D&D duet campaign on Twitter at one-on-one-D-N-D. -on -one you spell out one. So it's O-N-E-O-N-O-N-E-D-N-D. Um, you can find me at Mackenzie Lane Day on Twitter, uh, M-A-K-E-N-Z-I-E, uh, L-A-N-E-D-A. Um, I'll be sticking around for a little bit, but I do have to run to another panel. Um, however, if you do find me on Twitter, uh, my DMs are open. You can shoot me any messages you want, and I'll try to get the, with, to them probably while I'm waiting in the airport. And if you want to ask us a question you didn't want to get up and stand in line, please email us at potoflove at gmail.com. Thank Woo! you so much for joining us. Have a great rest of your packs.